the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. They're Christian friends. Do you remember a time when your word was enough? You know, enough to enter into a contract? Enough to buy a car or borrow some money? Enough to enter into a marriage? You know, I remember a time when, a, I could picture that time, when a man could walk into a bank and tell the banker who's sitting behind his desk of handwritten bank loans that he needed to borrow some money. And the banker would cut a deal, the man would give his word, and they'd shake on it. The deal was done. Well, I didn't grow up in that world, and most of us didn't. It wasn't too long ago, though, that people had to probably fill out more paperwork to get your utilities turned on in your house when you went to a new place than it was to actually even buy the house, or so it seemed. And what has happened to the value of our word? Today in our society, we have legal contracts. We have prenuptial agreements. We have waivers, and also don't hold responsible clauses now. It's as if our word wasn't enough. But there's one whose word is enough or at least it ought to be enough, and that is God's Word. In our Gospel today, we shared those words. You hear them often, three out of five times over the last two days in our services. We've been looking at some words these past Advent Wednesday services too. Some very important ones because they are words given to name Jesus. And together they provide a larger and fuller view of who he is. The very name Jesus, we know, means that God saves his people. He's also the Lamb. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he is Emmanuel. God with us. God's promise to never leave us or forsake us. And today I want to look at the name given to Jesus in John's Gospel that we just read. That is, Jesus as being God's final and ultimate word. Not just to his people, but for all people. In the beginning was the word. John is a favorite gospel for many people. And one of the most beautiful beginnings of any of the books in the Bible here. But have you ever wondered what John means that Jesus is the Word? You know, it does seem like a peculiar way to describe Jesus, but we can see this morning that Word, that Word, it's a powerful name for Jesus because it's so rich and full in meaning. You know, not just for the Jews but for all people. Do you remember in Luke's announcement, as it was shared at the candlelight and reveal services, of Jesus' birth being proclaimed to those shepherds out in the field? 
The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. John wasn't just writing to the Jews. He wasn't just writing to the Gentiles. He wanted everyone to hear the good news and come to faith in Christ. And so that's why he picked a word so rich in meaning to describe Jesus. Jesus is the Word. The Word has such rich meaning for everyone. You know, first to the Gentiles, the Greeks. You know, we're not Jews by faith. We also didn't grow up as Greeks or Romans in that day either. So we might miss the significance of what the Word of God is. The way it was to those people. But it was full of meaning. You know, in terms of its background, the Greek word for the word word is logos. And it goes back to at least 500 years before the time of Christ. It was credited to a philosopher there named Heraclitus of Ephesus. And his chief concern was to understand how order and symmetry could function in all the chaos of the world. He used the term logos or word as a a technical term to describe the orderly function he saw in the universe. It was an impersonal force, a single eternal, quote, God, who was behind all things and who sets all things in motion. It really doesn't seem that far off from George Lucas's version of the, the force in Star Wars. Plato, the greatest of all the Greek philosophers, he further developed the idea of the Logos. He said, what we see here in life, it isn't real. Ultimate reality exists in some transcendent universe elsewhere. And what we see here are only forms or shadows, he says, of the realities that exist in that other world. And for Aristotle, who was a student of Plato, The idea of the Logos meant a thing, a definition, the conclusion or the total proof for an argument. And so for the Greeks, the Logos, the word, steers the universe and keeps its forces in balance. Second, for the Jews, they were influenced much less by philosophy and so much more by scripture. But the Jews in the first century, they lived in a culture that was greatly influenced by the Greeks. For example, the Jews had been forced to learn and to use the Greek language from about the fourth century before Christ on. And sometime in the third century, there was a Greek language translation of the Bible that the Jews were using. And it became the standard for that day, called the Septuagint. It was the Bible that was best known by the Jews in that first century in Jesus' days, particularly those who lived outside of Palestine. And from their use of it, the Jewish people knew the Greek term logos from their Old Testament writings. So the logos was a typical way of God speaking and acting. What's more... It was even used by the Jews to represent God at times. And even though Greek was the common language, when the the, the Jews would read their Bible in the synagogue, 
they would end up reading the Hebrew. And since they never would read aloud the divine name of God, which was Yahweh, they could not say that name because they didn't want to ever misuse it, according to the Ten Commandments. There were other names used. So they would say Adonai. Or they would say the Hebrew words for the Holy One, or the name. Or at times they would use a Greek logos. So the Jews were used to associating the word as a designation for God. Why is all this important? Well, I think it helps us see the beauty of Scripture and also the wisdom of God in selecting that particular term. You know, when John came to write his gospel, it wasn't just for the Jews or the Gentiles. It was for everybody. And yet there was such a divide between the two cultures. You know, how do you describe Jesus in a way that captures the attention and interest of everybody? You use a term like the word. It would have meaning for both audiences. And it fully captures all that Jesus was and is. If you think about it from even both perspectives. He's the force that steers the universe. He is the final word. The final authority on all matters. And he is God becoming flesh on this earth. Jesus is God's message. God's word to us. Let's see what John says about this in some of those verses. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. This may be the most profound mystery of the Gospel, but it's the essence of the Gospel. Jesus is at the same time fully man and fully God. As the Logos, he's co-eternal with the Father. He always has been, and he always will be. There was never a time that Jesus didn't exist. The Father didn't create him. He just is. He had a hand in creation. How is this possible? Well, if I knew all the details, I'd tell you. But the testimony of Scripture is there. And it's implicit in the name, the Word. And Jesus, he was rejected by the world. John wrote, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And perhaps the saddest verses in the Bible might be right here. When John says, he came to those who were his own. But his own people did not receive him. They rejected him. They made false claims against him and charges. They had him unfairly tried and convicted. And they even murdered him. And not just the Jews either. The Gentiles rejected him too. But I suppose we're all capable. We're all capable of missing things from time to time. As a result of our own preconceptions. Our blind spots. Our prejudices. You know, everybody had preconceived notions of what a word from God would be. For the Jews, they expected a mighty Messiah. One who would overthrow the Roman government so that they could set up the government of God. 
And perhaps the Greeks, they expected some elegant speaker who was going to be able to give a new philosophy that would order the universe. Jesus met neither of these expectations. And so he was met with utter rejection. But the good news is that those who did, who believed in his name, the name that is above every name, the only name under heaven given to man by which we are saved, to those people he gave the right to become the children of God. How awesome is that? How did he do it? He became flesh and lived right here with us. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He had to become one of us to deliver us. He had to identify with our brokenness so that He would rescue us from it. You know, God could not have sent another prophet, another man, even though a man might understand what's going on, but he would have no power to deliver us. He had to come himself. And so the divine word wraps himself in human flesh, and he comes right here with us. A Bible paraphrase of a book that you know called The Message, it says that he moved into the neighborhood. Yeah, he's with us. And John doesn't leave any doubt about that at all. You know, he says, we have seen his glory. We beheld it. The glory of the one and only. That special one, unique, one of a kind, unique person who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So what's the bottom line for you and me this morning? Do you believe that God's word offers abundant and full life? Is your life better because of Jesus? Now, I don't mean free of problems, but doesn't Jesus make all of life better for us? When those problems come, doesn't Jesus offer us comfort and hope and assurance? And surely knowing that our sins are forgiven will give us that same assurance and comfort and confidence. Jesus is God's ultimate word to all of humanity. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, the color of your skin, your ethnic background. God's word is for you. It doesn't matter if you've got plenty or if you're struggling to make ends meet. Or perhaps they're not meeting at all. God's word is for you. If you've grown up in church and you've been faithful all your life, or if you've never been quite as attentive and faithful as you should, God's ultimate word is for you. It doesn't matter who you are. Jesus represents God's greatest effort to reveal himself to you. For him to say, I'd rather go to the cross than to live without you. That's how much he loves us. He is God's ultimate word to us all. There was a little boy who wanted to give his grandmother a special Christmas gift at Christmas. 
And because her Bible had been worn for those many years of reading and studying it, he decided to give his grandmother a new Bible. And so with his parents' help, uh, he was able to go out and save money too, and he bought her a a brand new, leather-bound, beautiful Bible. And he wanted to write something in it that would be special, but he didn't know what to say. So he decided to copy something he had seen written in one of his dad's books. It was a book that had been given to his dad by a special friend and author earlier that year. And when the grandmother opened that Bible, she chuckled at the inscription there. It said, To Grandma, compliments of the author. (laughs) It seems to me that those words in that inscription are something like how we are to see Jesus. He is God's word to us. And when God decided to give his final message to mankind, he didn't give it to us in a book. He he did that later. But instead, he first sent himself and became that word for us. God sent, sent the word of his love into the world, in flesh to accomplish the purpose for which he came. And that was our salvation. And as a result, you know, we too can live in love and service to others so that we can put the story of God's love into the flesh. Now through Christmas, through this coming new year, and until our Lord comes again, we can celebrate the good news of Jesus, the Word who lived among us, who lives in our hearts for today and for eternity. May that word be one that you believe in, that you trust in, and that you share with anyone that you can for his glory alone. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.